if you're visiting, I'm Darren, and I am one of the pastors here, in case you didn't know. Um, I was supposed to say that first. Um, these past few weeks, we've been talking about building yourselves up, right? We said that a church, if it isn't a what and is instead a who, then building up the church means building up you. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Jesus. It's still got legs, that's still, you know. <laughs> um, but that's been the conversation, was that what does that look like for us? And if you weren't here last week, um, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast because I can't possibly uh, review it all this morning. But I wanna say that what it means to build up yourself in your most holy faith, that's Jude 1.20. He didn't say build up your faith, he said build up you in your faith, in the cross, in the, in the gospel, and what does that look like? And I said last week that the Bible refers to us as humans in one of the most nuanced ways. There's no other book on the planet that deals with the human as we are, which is a very sophisticated and complex creation. So when it looks at the physical, we, that's something that you've, sometimes when you've got, it talks about your crushed spirit, right, Proverbs 13, that sometimes that crushed spirit that you've experienced, it might be physical. If you've ever had a thyroid go sideways on you, you know that, that without that chemical. So there's a physical thing. And the problem is, is that sometimes in the church, we want to deal with that as a moral problem and tell you to repent of it. Now, the fact is, is it could be a moral thing, right? There could be, it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Sometimes it's decisions that you made that you regret, and there's this toxic shame. And so if you've ever said or heard someone say, man, I just feel like I've been running my whole life. And you look around, there ain't nobody chasing you. It's the, the, the wickedness. The, Jeremiah 1 says that it was their own backsliding that hunted them down. It was just because there was a moral thing with that. But the thing is, is it also might just be emotional, relational. You know, Tom Benedict is here this morning. He and his wife, Amy, are uh, licensed uh, therapists. They have an office right over the bridge here. They, there's complexities in the emotional and the relational side. And sometimes... Somebody wants to medicate something that actually is just a relational thing and it's some work you need to do inside of your soul. And sometimes it's existential, it's philosophical and the idea that even in laughter the heart may ache but you know, it's gonna end in, in, in sadness. That's a, the Bible is being honest with you. That if you believe that you came from primordial ooze and you're gonna end in nothing, you have to have to have the courage to say that means my life doesn't mean anything either. Because at some point, everybody's sitting around your dinner table, happy as can be, will be the last one to say goodbye to everybody else. It ends in sorrow if, if there isn't something beyond, but that's the philosophical dilemma. And some people, your spirit is crushed because you're just this angst inside of you. And of course, we talk about faith, and I don't mean that necessarily in the biblical sense as it is that you know, your hope deferred. It's just we put your hope in the wrong thing. It's gonna d- disappoint you. You got the new house, uh, and it's not as awesome as you thought it was going to be. The new relationship, and he ain't nearly as awesome as you thought he was going to be. But if you put your hope in that, then it will be deferred, right? And so the idea being that a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, and that's where we ended last week, which is the tree of life mentioned in Genesis and mentioned in Revelation. The only other place in the Bible is in Proverbs, in this idea. And I think that it's as simple as this, that when you put your hope in the tree of life, the cross, the longing and the fulfilling that can only be fulfilled 
because of Jesus. That that is where any work that you do, if it doesn't start there from that base, that's why it says what build yourself up in your holy, most holy faith, in the cross. Anything else, there's great exercises, they can make you feel good for a while. There's tricks. But if it doesn't start with the tree of life, then it's just a trick. That said, as a church, I want us to know that we can build ourselves up in our most holy faith and that there's a building process to that. And I've invited Chris Vroman to be a part of this conversation this morning. Is this the one, Keith? Chris and his wife, whoa, Lisa, uh, have been a part of Conduit for, uh, since like past November. And Chris and his uh, wife are experts, I guess you'd say, is that right? <laughs> In helping people to walk through building themselves up. Uh, tell, well, tell us what it is, tell us what the journey training is. Lisa and I are, are co-founders and facilitators in something that we, we called the journey training because our life is a journey. There isn't a destination until Jesus comes back and we go home. So while we're here, everything we experience is a journey. And we want to teach people how to walk that journey more connected, more often with God than not. So that's what we try to teach. We try to teach how to make you more self-aware of what's going on inside of you so that you can stay connected to God. Who's ever had one of those great days where everything goes right? Raise your hand, right? If you, have you ever experienced yeah. one of those days? That happened once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's our feeling and our belief that those are the days we are most connected to God, walking in who he created us to be, doing what he created us to do. That's why it feels so good. Satan, though, tries to make that not happen very often, doesn't he? And stuff happens to us. Raise your hand in here if you've ever been wounded or hurt in life by anything or anyone. <laughs> yeah. We can laugh about it, but some of those wounds hurt, don't they? And some of them cut really deep. Some of them come really early in life. Some come later. Um, so what we've done is we've tried to figure out a way to help people be okay and understand that it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> it, it's, I know that sounds kind of confusing, but wherever you are is right where you're supposed to be. God still loves you the same. Don't worry about whether you're as good as somebody else. Jason brought that up when he was talking to us earlier in that first song. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Your journey is your journey. God put you here for your reason, your purpose. I can't do what you are meant to do. You can't do what I was meant to do. Stop, we gotta stop doing this comparison thing. We're just supposed to do what God created us to do. And so the journey training is the journey towards that. So when we talk about Romans 8.28 and all things God is working together for the good of those who love mm -hmm. him and are called according to his purpose, and I thought that that meant that every time a bad thing happens, a good thing happens. No. Lose my car? Well, magically, a new car. I'm like even Stephen. It all works out. But that's not how life has worked out for all of us, if we're being honest, and also not what he said. He said that the working together is for you to be made into the image of Christ. Christ. 
And so the journey training is really that. It is a journey saying, I, I love that we sang in the song, empty myself to owe this world nothing. Right. The I surrender all, those things that we've surrendered, I'm not, I don't owe this world anything anymore because I'm emptying it of that, that stuff, the garbage, the hurt, the pain. And so journey takes you on that. But that isn't where you started. You started mm. because you needed to go on the journey. I did. Um, and I, I, I knew that I was going to be looking at adults here today. But Darren, I'm surprised at how much having your son hits me. Hmm. Um, my journey started when I was 12 years old. And you coming in this service and sitting next to me remembered how fun I felt before age 12. And how fun I feel again now. Hmm. But from 12 to 40, not so much. I'd grown up in a small farm town and um, where my dad was a school teacher. In the whole school, there were 300 kids from K through 12th grade. I mean, this was a small place. <laughs> and we moved to the big city of 20,000 people. And I wanted to play football. I was 12 years old. It was the first day of seventh grade. I was a little guy. I didn't grow till after high school. And um, I just wanted to be the punter and the kicker. And I was pretty darn good at it, I thought. Made it through practice just fine. And at the end of practice, five boys pulled me out of the shower and held me down. And that's all the farther I'll go. The details don't matter. But I never played sports again. And they bullied me anytime they wanted to through 12th grade. That day set me on a course, a wound so deep. Man, if you want to hurt me, publicly humiliate me. Um, seeing this little guy. Um, it started me down a path. And, and I made choices. We all make choices of what to do with our hurt and our pain. We all figure out how to do it, right? We all figure out how to get up the next day. And some of those choices, let's be honest, they're not really good, healthy choices for us. It didn't take long before I tried pot for the first time. It didn't take long before I was sneaking beers out of the cases of beer in my dad's garage. And that started me on a 28-year journey of using drugs and alcohol to try to deal with the pain and the shame and the humiliation. Now, during that time, I was, I had a, I've got a great marriage. I fell in love with my high school sweetheart. I fell in love with her at first sight. She did not. <laughs> if you see her, you'll understand that. <laughs> um, and we've got two beautiful daughters. But I was living a double life. On the outside, you would have looked at me and said, that guy's got everything. But on the inside, I was a complete mess. I had no idea who I was. I know who I had become. But I couldn't, I, I had no idea who I was. And like James said earlier, like myself? <laughs> no. And my behavior reflected that. I carried the anger I had for those boys. I left town. When we got married, Lisa turned 18 on August 1st. I married her on August 9th. And I left for basic training two weeks after that. And I spent you know, 20 years in the military. I, I literally did run away from my hometown. Hmm. 
And I never wanted to look back, but yet I carried those boys with me every day and I didn't even realize it because I carried the anger I had for them. Because I thought I couldn't give that up. If I gave that up, then they won. Then they beat me. Little did I know that was exactly what I needed to give up. I needed to surrender all to have freedom. So you followed that right into the military. (laughs) A guy who's angry (laughs) and trying to put up a front. The perfect place for me. The perfect place for me because the military, I love it. It did make me everything I am today. Um, That's not true. Jesus made me everything I am today. Um, But it, it gave me, a. it glorified my alcoholism at age 18 in the 80s. I could out drink everybody. My boss actually would put me up every Friday in a drinking contest at the club against other people's organizations. And we always won. And, um, you know, plus, you didn't have to share your feelings much in the military. In fact, that was kind of frowned upon. Because if you ever went to the mental health clinic, your career was over. It's unfortunate, but the military still has quite a stigma around the need for dealing with that, and it's so bad. I don't know if you know this, but they're, they're saying that 22 soldiers a day are committing suicide right now. 22 a day because we've been taught we can't talk about our stuff. We've been taught that if we talk about it, we're weak and pathetic. Man, there is, that's a load of crap. And think about it in the military environment because some of these guys, I mean, Kyle's in here this morning, they, they've been in battle and not only things that maybe come from their background, now they've got stuff in their present that, is, yeah, that humans weren't meant to see and now you're not supposed to talk about it. You don't want that on your record. Yeah. And by the way, the reason we're talking about this this morning is that because I think that Jesus is the answer. And it I'm going to tell you how. So we, as a church, if we can't be about that, uh, why, why wouldn't we be about that? I want to do something. Let's get down here. I got to go into facilitator mode like I do in the training. I can't yeah. stand being behind a podium. Yeah. Or a, yeah, Chris isn't a preacher. He's a facilitator. No, so. I'm a facilitator. There's a difference. And I like participation. Can I get the whole front row to come up here and stand with me? Just stand in a line with me? Come here, buddy. I need you. No one's you. ever going to sit in the front row No again, one's no. ever going to sit in the front row. Come here. They just here. started trusting me. <laughs> this is why I want, to, I, want, I want to give you a visual of why this is important. Because Darren has been giving us visuals to think about, right? The wall. We're all parts of the wall. We're all a rock in the wall. We all have our place, right? Do we have that scripture, Darren, of the, the great commandment? Yes. And, and this is the scriptural basis for what we're really focused on. It's not the journey training and what Lisa and I do. The journey training is just one method to help people. There's lots of ways to do this. What's important is this right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Focus on the word as for the first time in your life. I'm going to guarantee you, you have never focused on that word in all the times you've heard this scripture. It doesn't say love your neighbor more than yourself. It doesn't say love your neighbor instead of yourself. It says love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we have misunderstood that 
for a long, long time. Because if I can't love myself the way God loves me, I can't really love you, you being my neighbor and that's my wife, my children. I can't really give you all the love that God wants me and has planned for me to give you if I don't love me. Because if I don't love me, if I, if I hold on to that secret that I had, by the way, I married Lisa when I was 20. She didn't know my secret of the locker room until I was 40. I was going to take that to my grave because I was so ashamed that it meant I wasn't a man. And I didn't want my wife to leave me because she thought I was weak. We all do stuff like this. We all have secrets. We all have hurts that we don't want to share with anybody because we think if we do, you're going to judge me and you're going to abandon me and you're going to leave me alone. Also a load of crap. When we really get to know each other, then we can love each other. When we can love ourselves with all of our warts and everything in us, then we are strong. There's another scripture about that, right? In my weakness, I am strong. There's nothing weak about sharing your feelings, telling people what you need, telling people what you've been through. If I hold on to the secret, though, and I'm a part of the wall, the important wall that Darren has had us visualize building, if I hold on to that secret, I have left a doorway for Satan to enter. And he can enter any time he wants. I think I've got it locked away up here. But he knows exactly where the key is. And he knows exactly how to open the door. You cannot keep a secret. Not if you want to live. And look at this. This is the great commandments. We're commanded to do a lot of things. But when Jesus was pushed, which ones are the greatest? It's these. Look what it says. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we can't serve away our shame and our guilt. We can't love other people more to get it gone. We have to deal with it. We have to be honest enough and brave enough to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, enough. Satan, no more. You will not control me through that because I'm going to bring it out into the light where it can be destroyed by the light. Amen. Understood? Because if I keep it, I'm a weakness to the wall. Satan can enter the entire church, the entire Christian body through me if I try to be a fake Christian on Sundays. All I got to do is have courage. All I got to do is share my life with you. You got to share yours with me. And when life is pushing me down like it did earlier this week, and I behave badly again because my worth was, I felt I was telling myself I wasn't worthy. So I acted out in a bad way, yelled at my wife in a very bad way. It wasn't anything she did. It was how I was defining myself again. I had to get back up. But when my brothers and sisters know me, they can tell when I'm not me, the real me, the one God created. And you can look at me and go, Chris, what is wrong? Is there something going on? And we can truly build each other up. There are times when I have to step out of the wall and I need to ask for help. 
And then I need a church body. I need brothers and sisters who are going to say, I love you. I'm going to help you. If I make a mistake, you're not going to throw me outside the wall and say, you're not welcome here anymore. And think about what we could be if we're that kind of church, that kind of reputation. You made your mistake? Come on in. Because God loves you anyway. The wall's important. We each play a part. But it's time to quit giving Satan the door in. Does that make sense? As you guys are sitting down, I want, the, I want a visual for you to know that you're, the, wall, the, the, the stone isn't being pushed outside the wall, but inside the wall. That that's what it means to bear one another's burdens. That we're putting you into a protection. You know, from a military perspective, if you want to think about it, even in the old West days, they used to circle the wagons, right? Yeah. Look, if, if a soldier in the perimeter needs to take rest, nobody can stay in the wall forever. We can't physically and mentally do that. Somebody steps out of the wall, gets rest, recuperation, love, fulfillment, support. Somebody steps in their place, right? That's how we do this as a church body. This is what being a brother and sister in Christ is about. But it starts with you. No matter what you've been through, you have to love yourself first. And if you're not there, then you just got some work to do. That's okay. You didn't get there overnight. And there's no quick magic dust or Kool-Aid to drink. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it's about changing your mind and how you think about yourself. Philippians 4.8, I think it is, right? Yeah. Think on these things. It is about retraining yeah. your mind. And these are the techniques and the things we teach. That's whoever the counselors are in here. That's what their whole life is. There's lots of ways to do this. But the first step has to be taken by you. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I think I did a disservice to a lot of kids growing up when I would the altar call, come down, and you cry, and you know. And by the way, there's there's catharsis in that, and that's there's that's not a bad thing. But but then you walked away, and that really the thing didn't change. So there, that's just the entry point to something. But you know, the journey that that Paul talked about at the end of his life says that I don't mean I don't want you to hear me say that I got this figured out. But I'm better than I was, and I'm moving, right. I'm pressing on towards the high right. calling, and it's this whole journey with us. And you can live your entire Christian life stuck if you want to, and Jesus will love you just as much. Mm -hmm. We love you just as much. But that wasn't the invitation. The invitation was to say, oh, you don't have to. You can actually go on this journey towards the whole you, and as a church, I can't think of anything I'd rather, if, if someday we hang this up and say, you know, this is, we, what, this is what we accomplished. If what we accomplished was a bunch of people leaving behind toxic shame and guilt and stuff that, they, that followed them their whole lives, man, I'd put my flag in that any day. You bet. I mean, your past is your past. Just, it's okay. You're still here. So whatever you've been through, you've been through. Let's make it for good reason. Right. Understood? It, yeah. it just has to be looked at, it has to be learned from, and then you just need to make a choice. How do you want to move forward? That, that's what it starts with. It just starts with making a choice. Yeah. And understand this, I'm not talking about turning us into Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. No. <laughs> you don't, you're not gonna come in next week and we're all gonna be in circles and holding hands and crying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just inviting you to be, have the courage 
to start a journey, or if you've been on it, to continue it. When we're talking about disaster relief, I couldn't think, man, that's such a perfect metaphor for the journey of Christ in our lives. You start with the immediate, just saving yourself. You know, yeah. just being saved, you gotta stabilize that, and you move into this next step of just literally getting the basics and the essentials, but at some point, you move to renovation and Absolutely. reconstruction, and you could live in an old moldy house if you want to, but that wasn't what Jesus had wanted you to do. No, He's not. inviting you to leave that stuff. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. I'm pressing forward to the high call. This, this word invitation keeps coming up, and, and I love it because I've been doing this now for 12 years, one weekend a month for 12 years, and I've seen a little over 4,000 some people. 99% of them are Christian, all right? It's not a bunch of non-believers living unhealthy lives. It's us. And we try to fake it when we come in here on Sunday. And I've always been amazed at how fast everybody is that claims to be a Christian is so ready to die because they know where they're going. <laughs> Almost every, I'm, I'm ready. I know who I'm going to meet my maker. I'm good with that. I'm going to challenge you with something. Our God does not want to know whether you are ready to die for him. Dying is easy. Our God wants to know if we are ready to live for him. Live for him. Here. He's got work for us to do. If you woke up today drawing a breath, you've got something that he needs you to accomplish. And you and only you can do that. So we got to leave the crap behind so that we can do what he's called us to do. There's no other way around it. I mean, I love this guy because he talks so plainly and so simply to us every Sunday. And I finally have found my church home, right? <laughs> Why do we need to make it more complicated than it has to be? We want to make it complicated and it's really not. Love yourself. Love God, love you, love other people. Just like that. That's not how it's written, because that's grammatically correct, and it was interpreted correctly. It would have been a lot easier if it had been written, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love yourself first so you can love other people. <coughs> love God, love you, love other people. So we only have like three minutes, okay? because okay. the Baptists are gonna beat us to henpeck and we cannot. We cannot allow that. We cannot right. allow that. Okay, so let's do this. Um, <laughs> the invitation for you this morning is to, if you've been on the journey, continue it. If you haven't started yet, Consider it. Consider it. And there's, there's, uh, there's, there's, so someone said, oh, this doesn't even sound biblical, doesn't, and here's the thing, Shannon and I went through a weekend like this about seven years ago with a guy named Wayne McCamey, and I didn't want to go through it because it wasn't biblical. Bypass surgery is technically not biblical, okay, do you know what I'm saying? It's not in the Bible. But Benny had bypass surgery on Friday, and it was perfectly fine. The, the, the stuff in us that's there, there are things, don't get me wrong, I understand there's mysticism and there's Hinduism, there's all kinds of goofy stuff, okay, that I'm not talking about any of that. Nope. But I'm saying that when Jesus said, you gotta become like a little child to enter the kingdom of God, you know what he was talking about? Because when you were little, when someone tells you you're awesome, what do you say? I Absolutely. am. Absolutely. <laughs> are you kidding me? 
That's why I loved having him come in and sit next to yeah. me because it reminded me of what I used to yeah. feel like and what I feel like again now. Right. Before the arrows started landing, right? And for some, it might be just through a book. I've invited some young men, and if there's any more of you want to go on a journey with me to read through Wild at Heart again. Um, I got a little busy this week. I apologize. Um, it might be that. It might be, man, it might be time to call Tom and sit down and talk, you know? It might be go through a weekend with you guys in Tulsa. It might be. Chris is going to be down here at the front. It might be joining their small group on Wednesday nights. Yep. Chris it and Lisa be. are... Uh, We're going to do a deeper group, and as you can see, I'll go a little deeper. Yeah. So <laughs> quickly. And don't be quickly. afraid of it. But. When God judged in uh, Habakkuk, I think seven eleven, he told. <laughs> I've always wondered how that's pronounced. It's pronounced that. Way. <laughs> he told the Babylonians that it was they were they were talking about the Babylonians. It's chapter one, verses six through eleven. Guilty men whose own strength was their god. Yeah. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's us as Western. My strength is my God. And that's what he judged Babylon, which parenthetically resembled more America than what we would think. Your own strength was your God. It was empty ourselves, so we owe the world nothing. And in our weakness, he is strong. I've watched missionaries go around the world try to, to fix what turns like a father wound inside of them, and they're going to India. It turns out the wound follows you. You got to deal with that. Yeah. So if you go healed, Wow. You got to deal with that. Um, two last things, because we got to get out of here so we can beat them to lunch. Um, do not, do not ever, ever, ever buy in to the thought that sharing your thoughts and your feelings is weak. It's incredibly important. We were meant to be in relationship. If we weren't meant to be in relationship, Adam would have been the only one ever. Yeah. All right, men, I need you to hear me on this. The word love is not a weak word. It's the most powerful word in the universe. It's the only thing that will solve all of our problems. Hugging each other as big men doesn't make us gay. We've, we've taught ourselves some bad things in society for well-meaning reasons. We're not meant to stand on our own. We're meant to stand together because only together can we be strong? And the last thing is this. I want to challenge you to begin to look at people differently. I've been leading this training for a long time that I was sharing with you. And, and one weekend in particular, I was really struggling with how I was going to help a couple of men because they were those boys. In the first weekend, we open up and we learn about each other. We take our time. And these are three weekend retreats, basically, is how we do it. And the first one is just about your self-awareness, and we bring it through slowly. And then the second weekend, we're going to deal with what's holding you back so that you can be all God created you to be. But they had shared that they had hurt people after I shared my story. They'd hurt boys like me. And I was really struggling with how I was going to help them, and I was praying to God, and he gave me the coolest visual for the first time. I actually saw him. He sat down in his chair in the throne and he picked me up like a little boy and put me on his lap and turned me around. And he said, all you have to do is see them the way I see them. I want to challenge us 
People push our buttons all the time. They're not bad people. They're hurt. Anybody ever heard hurting people hurt people? Don't take stuff so personal. Look at them as the child of God that they are, even when you disagree with them. See them the way God sees them, because again, if we believe what we say we believe, every human being is a child of God. Not just the ones we like or agree with. If we can look at each other that way and begin to do that, we could start to solve some problems too. Stand to your feet. That's why it starts and ends at the tree of life because the same sins that Jesus paid for for you, he paid for for that father that was abusive. He paid for that person that abused you. He paid for the mother that neglected you for you, for your own sin. When we look at it through the tree of life, we understand that the hands of Jesus have holes in them still to remind us. Guys, girls, I challenge you this week. Start with just, what does Jude one twenty say? Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. Begin to just ask the spirit to reveal to you. Where do I start? And yeah, it's like, I don't know where to even start. It's just, there's a whole flood in Houston right now. Where do you even start? You just start with what's in front of you and know that this lifelong journey is of you rebuilding the, the, the spirit that the world has crushed inside. Proverbs 13, who can, a crushed spirit, who can bear? Nobody, but the, Jesus wants to come build that up inside of you. So Jesus, we give that to you today. I am thankful personally for the awareness that's been brought to me of, uh, of the wounds that you have died to heal that you want to walk through with me and I know that there are those in this room that have been on similar journeys and my prayer, Lord, is that all of us would walk down that road, the journey. We could take whatever road here but we, the road with you is a road of healing and it's a road forward and it is a road where all things are being made together to work for my good, to be made into your image, Jesus. We pray for uh, courage and strength and, and, uh, and wisdom, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.